It's time for the Alien Conspiracy Podcast. We are your hosts, Agent ETA, Agent Ether, and Agent Anderson. Come along as we examine UFO sightings, conspiracies, and all things strange. You can follow the show on Twitter at AlienConPod. We also have an email address, AlienConPod at ProtonMail.com. We would love to hear from you. And don't forget to check out all of our other wonderful links in the description on the link tree. This week's episode, The Anunnaki. Anunnaki. (laughs) Very nice. (laughs) Nice touch. (laughs) Yeah, this is a very interesting topic. Uh, There's a lot of information surrounding it. There's a lot of misinformation, too, and some of that stems from the most popular story that most people would probably be familiar with, which is uh, the interpretations of the cuneiform uh, tablets by Zachariah Stitchin, or Sitchin. And, uh, you know, I, I think the guy was, uh, you know, a very smart individual. He was very interested in the subject, but some of the translations that he made are not necessarily uh, straightforward. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's... So, that's one of the things that I read about. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Well, in, in, in the books that he, he had written and stuff, uh, you know, he had laid out a couple different stories and stuff, you know, and um, there were very interesting reads. I, you know, it, it's, it's kind of complicated because like you, you look, it depends on like what source of information you're trying to look at as far as like what you think is going to be, you know, the actual story going on here. You know, whether the Anunnaki was, you know, um, actual gods that came down. So, all right. So just to, just to explain the story that most people would would be familiar with, um, the story goes a little bit like this. There's a planet called Nibiru, which, uh, is a, uh, planet that has a very elongated rotation around the sun. And, um, for one rotation around the sun, as far as our years go, it'd be 3,600 years. uh, According to the accepted story by Zachariah, Zachariah Sitchin. And so, um, it, the story goes that these Anunnaki's uh, that lived on Nibiru, they uh, they had a, a an atmosphere and um, that was basically, you know, uh, depleting. Like like they their atmosphere and their uh, their uh, what do you call it? The freaking uh, oh damn it! I just brain farted. Gold. Oh yeah yeah. Ozone. Well, the climate. Yeah, the the ozone, the climate, and the atmosphere were were changing rapidly. And they were an advanced species, so what they decided to do was they needed gold, basically, to reheal their their atmosphere and the climate, right? To to uh, make the, the planet more habitable. And to, so to on stabilize their planet, it. Stabilize it, yeah. Yeah, it's a good way of putting it. And so uh, they didn't have a whole lot of gold on their planet, so when they came by Earth, Earth had an, an abundance of gold. So what they would do was they would they would collect this gold from Earth and they would break it down and they would in, infuse it into their atmosphere to to heal it basically and uh, protect them from like you know like radiation from the solar system and stuff like that you know so that's why they came here to begin with and when they first came here uh, they had a race of people called uh, Igigis I don't know if I'm pronouncing that exactly correct. But they first used this race of people to collect gold, to mine gold from Earth. And after a certain while, the Igigis, like 
were basically fed up with it. Like, like they were like, Hey, we're not miners. We're not slaves. So they revolted and they had a war and, uh, the Anunnaki won the war, but afterwards they're like, all right, so we can't use this race of a gigis to, to mine gold anymore. So that's why they basically developed humans. They, they, uh, they had a couple incarnations of uh, workers that they tried to develop that didn't work out so well. And then they eventually um, spliced their own DNA with, uh, you know, hominids where they were already present here on Earth. And they made the human race. Right, basically, they made the first hybrids, basically. Yeah. Hybrids. Yeah. And the first, the first man that was made uh, was, from what I understand, was called uh, Adamu. Well, this I think and, uh, this this would be a good place to pause real quick. I don't think we mentioned yet what the Anunnaki actually what they come from, and that comes from they're the gods of the ancient Sumerians, Akkadians, Assyrians, yeah. Oh, yeah. and Babylonians. Just a, a little bit of background, just to where all this. What are we talking about? Where is it coming from? And where did we get it? So let's just go over that just a little bit before we get too deep into the actual story. So Sumer is you know, where the Sumerians lived is the oldest known civilization of Mesopotamia and the first literate civilization of ancient Mesopotamia. And it began during the copper age, about 5,000 BC, give or take, but some tells, uh, some tale tells, tell the story as far back as 6,500 BC. They consider to be the cradle of civilization. You know, in other words, this is where civilization started and maybe spread out from here they believe that might be the case. Of course, there is a lot of missing data, so we don't know that for sure. The yeah. oldest texts we have are from about 3,500 BC or so. So about 5,000 years ago, give or take. That's a long time ago. But we have texts from that long ago. When you think, you know, that far back, people were just, you know, caveman, unga bunging each other around or whatever. But no, yeah. we actually have, we have writing from back then. So it's pretty cool. They lived in the valleys of the Tigris and Euphrates rivers. That's something I middle I remember from a middle school history there. Yeah. And part of the fertile crescent. Yeah. And we have what we have are the texts that are imprinted on clay tablets in what the writing is called cuneiform. I think Agent ETA already mentioned that. Yeah. The the Anunnaki themselves are the descendants of the sky gods An or Anu and Ki. Those are the two gods that gave birth to the Anunnaki. I think it's like sky and sun. Yeah, sky or or earth, or I forget which. And interestingly enough, even though An and Ki are the ones who birthed all the gods, they're apparently not really very important figures in the the mythology or the religion. They're very minor figures. I mean, they're the beginning of everything, but they're not really all that important. As far as the... As far as a family tree of gods go, they are very important, but they weren't heavily worshipped in the area from what it seems. Right. And, and yeah. you know, one little one little side note, actually, the word Anunnaki is not a Sumerian word. It's actually from the Akkadians. Okay. I was not aware so of that. It, it was, Anuna was a Sumerian word, but it was like Anunnaki is, a, a, from what I understand, maybe I'm wrong, I'm no expert in this, but from what I read, um, Anunnaki is, is a Akkadian it's not Sumerian. Okay. Researching all this made me wish I was an expert. I'm like, I want to learn more about yeah. Sumerian. It's really it's interesting, interesting stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And you see this stuff all over the place. Like I was reading about this case, you know, last week and we were playing, remember we were playing Diablo 4 
and I saw some mm-hmm. writing on the ground and it looked like the cuneiform tablets, like the writing. It looked exactly alike. I'm like, dude, that's totally, I doubt it actually said anything, but who knows? Maybe it did. But so like they're getting maybe. some of the stuff from that game directly from mythology, you know, and there's, there's some names here that I recognize from various places. Like one of the gods is Tiamat, which is, which is a yeah. dragon god in the uh, Dungeons and Dragons game. At least the AD&D first edition was, I think Tiamat was a god in that edition at least. So there's, there's a Ancient lot of this. Ancient Sumerians are rolling over in their graves. I, I know, right? <laughs> there's, there's a lot of this stuff that's actually sort of filtered down throughout the years. And it's still kind of with us to this day. Those are just a couple of oh, very yeah. minor, minor examples. But yeah, so Anu or or on, I guess, yeah, is the divine personification of the sky, the king of the gods and the ancestor of ancient Mesopotamian gods. And then the name apparently literally means sky in Sumerian. So that's sort of interesting. And I'm sure we'll touch on that again. But there is this association with not just Anu, but the Anunnaki in general with coming from the sky, which is often cited. And then from what I found, Ki is the earth goddess and the chief consort of An. And some legends I found that An and Ki are actually siblings, and they're the offspring of Anshar and Kishar. But I mean that this Well, you see you see a lot of that in the family tree there of gods when it comes to Sumerian gods, like uh yeah. is a ill. Like, so yeah. there's some there's some icky stuff going on there. We don't, we don't want to get too much into the mythology because that's like a whole other can of worms. Like you could do, you could do a whole podcast just on this stuff, just on. Oh, you could, yeah. Yeah. Easily. Dedicate an entire series to it. Yeah. For yeah. Sure. For sure. Yeah. Without a doubt. But Ki and Anu's offspring were the Anunnaki. Like I said, the most important is probably Enlil, who is the god of wind, air, earth, and storms. And he was the chief deity worshiped by the Sumerians and was believed to have built the temple and in uh, Ikur, uh, pardon my pronunciations, but then again, nobody speaks this language anymore. So who knows? <laughs> I could be saying yeah, it right. How, how it was originally pronounced. Yeah. Um, so he separated the, uh, and Lil separated the earth from sky and made the world habitable for people, not on and key. They did. They just birthed the gods, but actually in Lil's the one who made the earth for people. Um, Eric von Daniken wrote Chariot of the Gods in 1968. And he's a pretty important figure as far as forming current beliefs. I mean, without, I think it's safe to say without Eric Von Daniken, you wouldn't have the Ancient Aliens show, for example, you know? Probably, yeah. And he's been very influential on this topic in general, starting with his book, Chariot of the Gods, but also other books that he wrote. He's a very influential figure when it comes to this stuff. I I don't want to go too much into his stuff right now. I just kind of wanted to throw that out there. And there, there's all sorts of ideas surrounding this, but that's just a really, really quick overview of what we're talking about here before we dive in a little deeper. Okay, sorry to interrupt, but I just we didn't introduce that yet, so I wanted to introduce it. Yeah, for sure. So, where were we? <laughs> you were talking about the, there was there's the original race that they didn't like, the Anunnaki didn't like, and then they got rid of them and came up with the hybrids. Yes, yeah, so the, the Anunnaki, you know, according to this story, were credited with basically uh, creating the human race, and they also uh, gave the human race certain um, things like like uh, architecture and mathematics, and uh, not not just that, but also like agriculture and um, you know stuff like that. And, and and let me just say, 
the Sumerians are an ancient race, you know, an ancient uh, culture. I don't believe they are, you know, the first ones that, that were, you know, capable of doing all this kind of stuff, you know, like irrigation, like I said, in ag- agriculture. They were definitely more advanced than some of some of the more, you know, some of the ancient races and stuff that were uh, cultures there around there. But, like, here's the thing. Like, you have certain things, like, for example, like, like for example, Gobekli Tepe, which greatly predates, you know, this culture. And the, the temples in, you know, the, the Anatolia region of, of Turkey there where uh, Gobekli Tepe is found, in order for them to have created these temples, they had to have had free time, which means they had to have had an abundance of food. They must have been obviously because, like you know, the quality of you know stonemasonry and like uh, the architecture you can find there. They must have had a, a decently advanced culture, and I'm of the opinion that I think the human race, because it, it's it's obvious we have had the same cranial capacity for hundreds of thousands of years. I don't think it's it's a uh, unreasonable to think that that we have gone through different cycles of advancement, maybe in different ways, different types of advancement, advancement, you know, like, or, um, but we have been reset multiple times before because of great catastrophes. We had to, you know, hit the restart button. So, and, and it's no wonder to me that like any evidence of, of great ancestry, like, you know, like any kind of like uh, advanced cultures, we wouldn't necessarily, necessarily find it because like time erases all, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, uh, it's, if something is, you know, if you have some kind of evidence that is say just, just for example, say it's 150,000 years old, it's not necessarily going to stand the test of time. It's going to be erased. And it's no wonder that we, you know, we haven't found this evidence or maybe we have, because actually I think that some of the, like the megalithic structures that we do have around the world that we know of, I wouldn't be surprised at all if they're misdated, you know, who knows right. how old some of these structures actually really are. You know, we don't know. We're not, we're not psychic. You know, there, there might be like, even, even just like the pyramids or, you know, stuff like that. Any of these structures on the Giza plateau, we can't carbon date stone. Right. So we don't really know how old these structures are. There might be some evidence. Right. But also in the same, at the same time, like, yeah, like to use that example, uh, the structures that we have on the Giza plateau, even the dynastic Egyptians said themselves, like, you know, like a lot of these structures or, or the cultures that they had inherited came from Zeptebi, Zeptepi, sorry, the the time before, right? So they themselves even said that, you know, they, they didn't create all this stuff, you know, they, they inherited it, you know? So, I mean, who are we to say that, like, you know, like we know what the hell is going on here? I, I'm just saying, it's just a little side note. Like, you know, yeah. we really don't know what the human history, well, the, the truth of human history is. And just look at the timeline that we know about. Let's oh. say, hypothetically, we'll go back further than what's currently accepted. Let's go all the way back to Gobekli Tepe and say that was the start of civilization, just hypothetically. And that was what, like 10, 12,000 years ago or something? I forget the exact number. And then, yeah, I believe the because it was right at the end of the Younger Dryas era, the last Ice Age. Yeah, I believe that was about somewhere around like ten thousand four hundred or ten thousand six hundred years ago when it ended. Yeah. So if you look at where the, our species has come back then, from building stone monuments all the way to now, where not just have we you know conquered the sea and the skies and gone to other planets, we've gone to other planets. That is so 
crazy. Well, we've sent things to other planets. Yeah, dude, we have pictures from the yeah. surface of Mars. Yeah, but you haven't gone to another planet. Yeah, I don't think I'd want to at this point. But I mean, the point is, is that- Is it the surface of Mars though, or is it yeah. the Mojave Desert? <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> but the point is, <laughs> the point is we've done so much crazy stuff. Just look at all the technology. And we're we're about to begin- the next stage of technology, which is this AI stuff and, you know, higher powered computers like quantum computing and all that stuff. That scares the shit out of me. Well, I think it's exciting because the next it step is. is that if you look at the, the advancement of technology in the 20th century, I think a big part of it is developing machines that could do work for us. So you can have a machine calculate a million different variables in the amount of time it would take a whole team of really smart people like a year to do that same amount of work, right? So now sure. that whole team of really smart people can go off and do other really smart things. So stuff happens faster, right? We're about to yeah. enter a new era of scientific acceleration. You know, once they well, start th developing everything, all this stuff. I think we've already entered the very beginning of that era. Yeah. But the thing that like, like really scares me is like, what if the AI I'm, and, and, and there's a lot of people that have already had this conversation that know much more about it than I do, but it does scare me. It's like, what if the AI gets out of control? What if it thinks it's self-aware? What if it actually does become self-aware? Well, yeah. usually the you know, AI like, is very task specific, right? You know, it's yeah. not, it's not just out there on the world wide web or well, something. Like I said, I, I don't necessarily understand this stuff. I have a, a, a very, a very, very basic understanding of it. Right. But like, uh, it's it's it still scares me. Like like what if like you know like that shit does get out of control. By the time it happens, like we're not going to be able to deal with it. Like we're not going to be able to conquer this shit because it's already going to be so far ahead of us. They actually you know, by, na they by use, nature they've you know? been using AI to translate these Sumerian tablets because a lot of them are incomplete and it's hard to fill in oh, the God gaps, and they don't know how to translate certain words. And then just the really? time. The time that it takes, I think, to do all yeah. these translations. So well, the times and, and the, the patterns and yeah. stuff. Can, like, and AI will be able to recognize patterns much faster than we will. You know, we could spend our time and do it. We could do it, but the AI will do it much, much faster. So what you know? they want is for you to be able to plug in the, the glyphs into a computer and for it to spit out an English translation, not just a transliteration, which is mm. typically into Latin, which then yeah. needs to be translated into English, but just direct to English. And they've had really good results with like short and medium length uh, sentences. And it's, it's like a model learning based neural network. So it actually learns from itself and it's open source. Mm. You can go online, you can get the open source. So you can, you know, get the code and go ahead and start using it, which I think is really Amazing. Yeah, that is so cool. And this is one, one thing I was going to mention is I think where we're headed is that these, this is exactly what Agent Ether said was the key idea here is a self-correcting AI. So we can give it a problem. Okay, problem. Figure out a propulsion system to get us to Jupiter within two months. Give it a ridiculous problem like that that no person has been able to solve and it will come up with solutions and test the solutions and it will self-correct. I think we are on the cusp of AI developing technology that no person can understand. We don't know the science behind it. We just know that it works. 
Nobody knows how it works. I think that's what we're, I think that's where we're <laughs> headed. Just think about your car. I think most people don't actually know how their car works. They don't care as long as it gets them from point A to well, point B, you know? Yeah. I would agree with that. I understand the majority yeah. of it. But yeah, how, you but can't that's even, because you I, can't I used to be a mechanic. Fix your cars now because it has so much computer technology. Yeah. Right? They have well, to that, they have to go in and use a special coding system and then the coding system pops up and it says, "Well, this specific you know, transformer in your car needs to be replaced. You need to do this. You yeah. need to do that. Yeah. But it's it's all electronic now. Yeah. Well, it's been designed that way too. Like, purpose, like to go yeah. all the way back to even like like the the sixties and the seventies, like when when electronic uh, windows started to come about, right? That like uh, I used to have a nineteen sixty two Chevy pickup, right? And the gear ratio, it was manual manual window, right? And so you would only have to crank that lever, you know, three times, three and a half times at most to get it all the way up or get it all the way down, right? And so once electric windows started being implemented, they started to change the gear ratio with manual windows because at that time, like uh, electric windows weren't an, an, you know, it was an extra option. So you have to pay more for it, right? So the, the, the manufacturers would make more money off of it, right? If you chose that option. So they changed the gear ratio for manual windows in order to, like, you know, make you want the the, the electric window yeah. motor, right? It takes like twenty and, turns and so, to get the window up or down instead of three. Yeah, ex- yeah, exactly, right. So, and they also started doing things like taking away, for example, like like a, a transmission, right? They took away like the drain plug for the transmission on the transmission pan because like their excuse was like, oh, people are draining the fluid and they're not changing the filter. Well, and I think most people were changing the filter. They just, they, they recognize that they started doing these things that started forcing people to bring their car to the dealership to have any kind of maintenance done. Because that's gonna the maintenance is also it makes a it makes them a lot of money, right? Yeah, that's where they make so, a lot of their money. That's why they killed the electric car in the late nineties. Why GM did, but that's yeah. a whole other episode. Yeah, it's another. It's a whole different story. Yeah, yeah. I mean it's related, but yeah, but it, it's also like it's a uh, there's cars out there nowadays that you can't even check the oil on the oil on your transmission or even on your engine. Some of these brand new cars. I mean, they're going hard on this stuff. Like, they don't want you to have any ability to service your own vehicle. Even though you bought that vehicle, you you might have it paid, you know? And, and you know, it, it's it, to me, it's ridiculous. It's absolutely ridiculous. Yeah. Like, like you're taking away the rights of vehicle owners, you know, and, and forcing them into certain situations where you just have no option. Like, you have to take it to the dealer to have any kind of maintenance done. And to me, that's like that really pisses me off, man. Well, you know, it's, it's it'd be fine if the maintenance costs were reasonable, but usually, if you take your car into the dealership, the maintenance costs are unreasonable. Like whatever you think would be a fair price, multiply that by ten, and that's probably what you're going to end up paying. You know? Yeah. <laughs> like Agent yeah. Ether took her Toyota, and it's just a basic Toyota, what Corolla? Yeah. Camry, something like yeah. that. She took it in for some ba- basic maintenance. And they charged her like 2000 bucks. They didn't even do anything. It was like a grand, it yeah. Crazy. It was crazy. It was crazy. I'm like, what did they even do? Like, they didn't do anything. They just checked some fluid levels and stuff. I don't even know what they did. It was, it should yeah. be illegal. What the what they charged should be illegal. Should be. Yeah. Yeah. And, and to me, like, it really pisses me off because I understand, like, there's a lot more people nowadays that don't grow up working on vehicles, but like, I used to be a mechanic. So, like, like I understand how to do a fucking brake job or oil change, transmission service, you know, differential, whatever it is. Like, like, like that's all the simple stuff, you know. And, and mm-hmm. 
I could do much more than that. But like, you know, it's like, like if I were to buy like a brand new, like Lexus, for example, right. I wouldn't even be able to do a freaking transmission service on it. Cause there's no dipstick. Yeah. How do I, I don't, you know, I could probably look it up on YouTube and get my YouTube degree on how to do it maybe, but you might need some, and a lot of these, a lot of these, uh, these manufacturers are also putting like fasteners that they have like their own, like it's no longer like a standard or metric size, you know, fastener, you know, you have to have a specialty tool to do everything, you know, you can get the tools. It just costs extra money and it's a pain in the ass. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 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 But all right, let's, let's get back to yeah, the episode. Get, yeah. 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 That's quite a tangent there. <laughs> a little bit. <laughs> all right. Where were we? I think, um, uh, we were talking about, I was talking about AI. Oh, that's right. Agent Ether was talking about AI. And that brings up something I was thinking about, which is the problem of translating these scrolls, right? We don't have the cultural context for what these things mean. So it's very possible that we're misinterpreting some things. Just an example oh, yeah. that, I, that came to mind was if you've ever read the book, The Stand by Stephen King, there's a character in there that his his catchphrase is, do you, can you dig this happy crappy? Now let's say 10,000 years from now, some culture digs up a page of this book, just one page. And he's, <laughs> he, they interpret that they translate. Can you dig this happy crappy? They don't have the context for what that means. They don't have the book. They don't know if this is a real event, a fake yeah. event. They, all they know is that somebody is trying to dig up cheerful shit. You know, it's, <laughs> they don't know what it means. So it's the same thing for interpreting it for us is we only have our best guess. And that's why you can get many different interpretations of the same thing. Yeah. And the thing is with these cuneiform tablets as well is they have no punctuations. And uh, yeah. some of them, some of the cuneiforms, you know, they represent like specific things, but some represents words, some represents like letters. And like Agent Anderson says, sometimes it has more than one meaning and it needs to be read in context. So when you're doing this AI thing, that actually makes it really difficult because yeah. the AI has difficulty putting things in context. So it may provide like a literal translation of something that really needs some, uh, you know, like a more fluid translation. And this whole actually, this whole thing kind of reminds me of the translation of the Bible, because you have the original, let's say, Dead Sea Scrolls, or you have original material in Hebrew, and it gets translated to Latin or English or another language. And then you have the problem of semantics, where you have different religions looking at the same word, and they can't agree on what that one word means. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Just one word. <laughs> But then, like the whole thing, <laughs> one word can change. It can. Everything. It can change everything. I agree. Even even one word that's said, like one sentence that's said, you just put a comma in one place versus another, that can change the entire meaning of the sentence with the same words in yeah. just one comma. So I mean, it's it's a very very tricky exercise to um, to translate these things. But what what did you find about well you did a whole bunch of research, Agent Ether, and you said I read it I just read a couple papers. You and said, I'll I tell you later. I'm not gonna tell you now, it's a secret. So well, I'm very I, curious to know what you found. I feel like I probably should have been reading more about the what is it, Anunnaki? Is that how you say it? 
Well, it's all it's all it's but, all under the same umbrella. But I got so caught up in this whole thing with the, just the the tablets and how old they are and the material that's found in them. Actually, a lot of the material was kind of boring. It was like, uh-huh. and so we went to this town and we bought three pigs and there were three barrels of hay and yeah. this was the month. Not really stories, except of course, what was it? The tale of the epic tale of. Gilgamesh. Gilgamesh. Yeah. Was like yeah. the only real adventure that I could find. Everything else was was not too exciting that I was reading. Well, there are some really interesting things I found. For example, the um the creation story and Numa Ellis. The flood. You have the flood. There's yeah, and then there's the deluge. Then there's the flood story, and then there's just specific descriptions of some of the gods. There's the descriptions of Nibiru. That are pretty weird. This is all true, but the majority of the material is, let's say, royal decrees. Yeah, you know, accounting, that sort of thing. And there is there is that material, like you're saying. It's just the majority of what out what is out there is not that material. It's just you know, they even have some mathematical tablets. I was looking at some some basic math, something about the Pythagorean theorem. I couldn't. Triplets really? of the Pythagorean theorem. I didn't have time to research everything, but I was like, "What is this? How did they have that kind of math? That? I don't know. Aliens." <laughs> well, I mean, they they already knew it back in those times, and also like Gobekli Tepe. You know, even you know predating them, uh, they already knew about like uh, stuff like, for example, like the um, the uh, procession of equinox or the axial procession, uh, like the slow wobble in the Earth's rotation. That's a, a somewhere around a twenty six thousand year cycle, from what I understand. And to know that, that's some serious knowledge right there. You know, like that you must have been paying attention for a long damn time in yeah, order to go. understand. Major that. news outlet, not you know something shady, says that. Uh, let's see, UNSW, which I think is somewhere in Sydney, scientists discovered a thirty seven year old Babylonian clay tablet. Revealing the world's oldest and most accurate trigonometric table. Dang. It's only 37 years old there, is it? Uh, 3,700 years old. Okay. (laughs) 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 When I heard that, I was like, huh? I'm I'm older than that. Yeah, so there's, (laughs) yeah, there's definitely, there's a trove, like a treasure trove out there of tablets that have different things on them, not just not just ancient stories, but but math. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And knowledge of the the you know the solar system and stuff. That how many how many planets we have in our solar system? The distances between them, the way that they revolve around the sun. There are ancient cultures that knew about this, and they were very accurate about like what they depicted. You know what they knew. You know, so I, I find that to be very very interesting. Like, like, how did they know this, right? According to our current, like, understanding of, like, you know, like, just for example, like, you know, the Egyptians, right? They were supposed to be a Bronze Age culture. I don't believe that for one second. You know, mm-hmm. if they were the ones that built the pyramids and all the different structures on the Giza Plateau, they weren't a Bronze Age culture. They were much more advanced than that. I think there's yeah. a lot of cultures out there. We don't give them enough credit. You know, like they they were much more advanced than than we think they were. If they were to accomplish, you know, what we think they did. Well, we did a whole episode on technology that seemed too advanced. Yeah. 
for you know the time. I remember doing that. Yeah. Like we talked about the ancient battery and looked at yeah, some different yeah. models of, of clocks and that sort of thing. It was really interesting. The Baghdad battery. That's yes. a good one. Baghdad, Baghdad battery. battery. Yeah. Yep. That's a really good one. Yeah. And like, it, I find it funny, like, all right, so they were creating electrical charge there, right? But like, archaeologists will say, oh, they were using it for, you know, obscure healing treatments and stuff. And like, what? Nah, dude, nah. If they knew about electricity, they were using it for their benefit. You know what I mean? Yeah. They and weren't they got, using it for fucking that they, kind of shit. They got pictures of light bulbs and stuff. <laughs> What's that all right? about? That's kind of weird. Right. Yeah, it's it's. Uh, I but don't think we're was, giving ancient cultures enough uh, enough credit. But they were they were just Stone Age jerks. They didn't actually know what any of this stuff was, you know. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, so Copper in, Age or whatever. In your guys's browsing and studying and note taking, were you able to find these actual tablets, the Enki tablets, where this guy got his? Mr. Zachariah Sitchin got his information from because he was supposed to have translated actual tablets, but then I found his translations, but I'm not sure where he was he was getting his information from. I well, did not. here here's the thing about Zachariah Sitchin is uh, the guy wasn't a professional, you know, like 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 he wasn't a professional at this. You know, um, he was what he was born in. Um, where was it? Let me let me let me look. Let me look. Yeah, I think he was born in um, born under a bad sign. The so perhaps born under a bad sign. No, he was born in, in um, the, uh, Azerbaijan. Azerbaijan is that how you pronounce it? I think. And he was raised in uh, Palestine, but it was before. It's basically like 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 Jerusalem, you know. I think he was Jewish, so he was. Yeah, he was Jewish. Yeah, but he was born in basically what we know nowadays as a state of Israel, you know. But it was right. before Israel was a state. It was before World War II. So Israel was made into a, uh, a state, uh, was it 1948 or something like that, I think? Yeah, something it was like that, 48. Right? And he was born in 1920. Wow. It was born a long time ago. Dang. Yeah. So, like, the guy had a, uh, you know, he wasn't a professional when it comes to this. You know, he was very, he was definitely very, very uh, interested in it, but he had a degree in economics. And um, from the, I think from the University of London, I want to say. Something like that, but like he ended up moving to New York in uh, like like the early fifties or something like that, and uh, he became a, an executive executive in a shipping company. So he taught. He, so the story goes, from what I understand, he taught himself cuneiform. So yeah, like, yeah. If if you do that, obviously you're very interested in it, right? But that doesn't make you necessarily a you know an expert. You're you know you, you should learn from other people who have already you know, done that kind of stuff, you know, like, like just for example, like, uh, his, his interpretation of, uh, Anunnaki was the, um, uh, what was it? Um, those who came from above or something like that, right. F from, from heaven to earth, those that came from heaven to earth, but most academics would accept the actual interpretation of, uh, Anunnaki meaning, um, from Royal seed. So those mm. are, Two very different things. Two yeah. very different interpretations there, you know? Yeah. But so just that in itself is a, a, a big difference. It doesn't necessarily mean he was <clears throat> he was wrong, because I don't think we know 100%, but on the other hand, he is self-taught, <laughs> you know? So he may not have access yeah. to the best information as far as how to interpret this stuff. 
Which, AJ yeah. Ether, didn't you look at how they originally were able to interpret this stuff or uh, translate this stuff? No. No? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> I, thought, I, I like, thought you did. I'm just like, no? No? Like the very first translation? Well, that would be especially interesting because I think there's no relationship between Sumerian and like other languages. Like it's an origin language. Yeah, they were they were confused about it for a while, but then at one point they found a location with like I forget the number, but thousands and thousands of tablets. I didn't take notes on that because I thought you took notes on it, but it's what? fine. It doesn't matter that much. It's very just, limited it's amount of yeah. time was, between work and work. Yeah. Well, I know that there there was one discovery in 1849 in Iraq where they found like 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 a 14 clay tablets amongst others as well, but the 14 clay tablets that they found. Um, were in direct relation to just describing the Anunnaki gods. And that's where a lot of this information came from as far as what we know, you know, did you guys know, well, this is according to ancient aliens, the second Iraq war. Oh God. (laughs) This is true. I, I saw it on TV. The second Iraq war, the whole purpose was for them to get in and loot Iraq's museum so that they could, capture and destroy Sumerian artifacts because people can't handle the truth. Well, I am definitely aware that during that period of time, I did see the stories and I saw like video footage of it as well of like Sumerian statues and like clay tablets that were like destroyed. And I, like, so I don't know exactly what the reason is, is for this, but it, it might have to do with religion. You know, um, if there's any kind of information that, stands in the face of your your religion that, that may be uh you know counterintuitive i guess you could say or, or may may you know say something opposite what what than what you believe uh it seems like at least some of these instances this is, is the reason why some of this ar- archaeological stuff was destroyed you know yeah and it was just war man everything was getting smashed to bits back then it's just really kind of sad but there's yeah. well, I think I don't there's think, a lot of stuff that happened. I don't back think then that we don't necessarily I, understand. I don't think it was any grand conspiracy though. I think they were just looters getting the stuff to sell to collectors. I think it's as simple as that because there's probably people out there who'd pay a lot of money for some cuneiform tablets. You know, shit. If I had the money for, it, I would. Well, actually, a lot of them have been raided. Like there's there's large collections around the world, but they're not sure where they originally came from because huh. they were they were torn yeah. up and, and raided. Yeah. That'd yeah. Be, that'd be cool well, to get like you don't a replica have that. one. There's there's a lot of stuff out there that are in very wealthy individuals' collections that you don't have like the chain of custody there. You know what I mean? Like you can't really prove where they came from because they were purchased on the black market. They may be very like important artifacts. And it might be as legitimate as you can get, but you don't have that chain of custody. You know, you don't, you you don't know where it really came from. You can't prove it. So, you know, it's, it's one of those things where, you know, I think the person that owns it probably knows, but in order to prove it, like it, you know, they would never, you know, prove it because they just want it for their own benefit. Right. Yeah. Or do they own a replica? Because you know, if somebody's willing to pay millions of dollars for who knows what, there are probably people who are very talented and motivated to provide that thing, whether or not it's the oh, real yeah. thing, you know? Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah. I'm not sure how you would tell the difference between a real one and a, a really good fake. I don't know. But that's another possibility, well, you'd have, perhaps. 
you'd have to have experts, you know, that can, you know, gen- genuinely uh, prove to you that this is actually what you're buying, you know? Yeah. So did we talk about uh, Stitchin believed that the Anunnaki would return someday? Well, they're supposed to live forever, basically. Yeah. So they could Stitchin. still be alive today. Like the same who were involved originally with the deluge and uh, the whole, you know, uh, history could still be alive today. And those same ones could come back. Yeah. Well, as far as like on the Kings list, you know, uh, the Sumerian Kings list, there, there were Kings. Like, I think the, the one that reigned the longest was something like 24,000 years or something like that. Or maybe it was 34,000 years. Something like that. It was something like that. Yeah. Just an unreasonable amount of time, you know, like it was crazy. Yeah, who knows how accurate that is? Maybe we're misunderstanding that th- their way of tracking time because they certainly weren't using the Gregorian calendar because it hadn't been invented yet. <laughs> so maybe one uh-huh. year to them was something different than it is to us. Who knows? Or maybe these people really did live 34,000 years or however long it was. Like Methuselah. Yeah, who uh, yeah. yeah. They said on Ancient Aliens that Methuselah lived, what, like 900 years? Is that true? It's a very uh, exact number that I don't remember. Maybe it's like 999 or something. But it's hundreds of years though, right? Yes, for sure. Okay. And I will just say I am not a fan of Ancient Aliens or <laughs> certain programs like that. I know I've said I've alluded to it before, but it's one of those things where like it it, it promotes the, the idea like people who are interested in quote unquote conspiracy theories, you know, like, like they must be wearing tinfoil hats. Well, but here's the thing. Conspiracies are real. Theories are real. You know, like what, what the hell are we talking about here? Yeah. The, the, some, some stuff like that in that realm is, is ridiculous, you know, but the thing is like, it, like a lot of these things that we talk about, like have a real like base in reality. Yeah. You know, and, 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 it's one of those things like, like for example, like a, a character like Alex Jones. Like, don't get me wrong. I think that he has brought up some, you know, some some interesting information, you know, like the Bohemian Grove and stuff, which it obviously is a thing, right? I'm not saying that I know what is actually the reality of the situation, but it's like, it's like it, it promotes this ideal uh, that like, you know, anybody who is looking into these kind of things must be crazy. You know, which is not the case. Like, what the hell are we talking about? There's there's yeah. some crazy shit going on here, and let's let's talk about it, right? You know, if there's any information, you know, like, well, why not talk about it, right? Yeah, why not and, be interested in it? And it gives, I think, yeah, it does give the topic. It tarnishes the topic overall because you know you yes. want to talk about like ancient Sumerian stuff, and you want to talk about the mythology of the people, and whether or not we think that that has anything to do with aliens or whatever we want to, you know, whatever. We, it's. I think it's okay to speculate, but when you watch a show that proposes based on zero evidence that we invaded Iraq to destroy some cuneiform tablets, come on, yeah. dude. It's just the stuff, their conclusions or their theories on that show are so, so absurd sometimes. Well, there's so yeah. many tablets. I think there's like tens of thousands of tablets around the world. There's a bunch. So yeah. how do you know there's those lot, tablets yeah. aren't copies or containing the same information as the tablets that are being destroyed. Right. Because there are copies, there are different versions of a certain myth. Like let's say the creation myth, they have multiple different versions of that story on different tablets that they found, you know? So 
Yeah, exactly. Well, <laughs> and that, that's also because the story has changed throughout different societies that, that has, you know, come along after the Sumerians or the Babylons, you know, the Mesopotamians. The story has changed throughout the, the generations, you know. So it's not always been the same thing, even though there's been a lot of parallels there. Yeah. As far as like the gods, the gods involved in, in, you know, what those gods may have been, you know, in charge of or what have you, you know. But uh, it's it's a uh, it's obviously going to change throughout this, you know, the different generations, you know. So it's not always going to be the same exact. It's like it's like you know that that story, like the game of telephone, right? I used to like, love that game. <laughs> Things are going to change over time, you know? Although I'm but pretty like, sure when I played that, that kids would change it on purpose. Absolutely, they would. I did. They would do They would do a basic <laughs> exercise of like, tell your mom to pick me up at two o'clock. And then by the end, you would get to, you know, I saw the second man on the grassy knoll or something. <laughs> like something that has absolutely <laughs> zero to do with these. But it's kids, so it's more yeah. likely something to do with butts. Yeah, yeah or whatever. But yeah. we already knew what was going on. Yeah. You know what I mean? So nobody like, just nobody a, a thought that was going to work. You know, you know there's going to be somebody to change the message along the line. <laughs> like there is a lesson to be learned there when you were being taught that game in elementary school, whatever, wherever it may have been, you know, but like at the same time, you already knew what was going on. You know, it was a simple lesson to learn. All you need to do is just explain it to me. We don't need to go through this game. So if you want to go through this game, well, I'm going to have some fun, you know? Yeah. I don't know. But then the adults would be like, see, see. And I'm like, really? Yeah. That's, they yeah. did that. They did that. They're like, see, <laughs> word of mouth doesn't work. You guys, you know, this is not a good idea to rely on what people say. This is a well, perfect example. Well, it did example, for many generations know? in the Native American community, you know. Well, like, oral, passing down stories orally is a very old tradition. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and for example, this reminds me of the, uh, the notion of the, uh, the, uh, the Egyptian god, um, Thoth. Was it Thoth or Thoth? Thoth? Something yeah. like that, right? When, when he described, uh, you know, the implementation of writing, like he questioned, like, was this, is this actually a good thing to do? You know, like, yeah. is this, is this really like a, should, should we do this? I guess is what he was saying, you know, because oral interpretation is, is, it can be solid as long as it had, you know, it, um, the bearers of that information, you know, properly pass on the information. You know, mm-hmm. so I don't know. It's like, uh, you know, I find that kind of interesting. Did you guys know that David Icke, otherwise known as David Icky, said that that uh, the I saw that <laughs> the lizard people yeah, are I'm actually familiar, <laughs> I'm familiar with David Icke. <laughs> the, the lizard people or his lizard people are actually the Anunnaki. Did you guys see that? Yes, I have. <laughs> yes, yeah. I did. All right, uh, David Icke says some wild stuff. It's weird because he has like some really interesting stuff. And then he has some like really, really out there stuff, like really out there stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I, like sometimes with his like lectures, I've, I've watched a few lectures from him and, you know, I, I, you know, it's like, oh, damn, like, like this is really interesting. But then he says something. You're like, whoa, dude, (laughs) wait a minute. Hold on here. Yeah. Hold on there, buddy. Like, I don't know about that, you know, like without bringing up any uh, specific terms, you know, like I do enjoy watching his lectures, but at the same time, like I said, like sometimes it would be like, nah, nah, that's not real. What are you talking about, dude? 
Oh God. Okay. Then I think you went a little bit too hard in, in the paint right there, you know? Yeah. All right. But so he'll say stuff. He'll say stuff sometimes like with like, you know, with very little evidence and they're big claims, you know, like, and it's just like, all right. All right, dude. Yeah. That's a cool story, but no. So we, we mentioned earlier, we mentioned Nibiru a little bit. I don't think we went into too much detail on that. And it, so it's, it's supposed to be, some people believe it to be anyways, another planet. We mentioned that, I think. But yeah. I, f- I found that actually there might be a 10th planet. Nibiru is supposed to collide with the Earth at some point in time. But there actually is some evidence for an undiscovered 10th planet. Middle finger to everybody who thinks that Pluto is not a planet. I still call it a planet because it, has it is. a moon. Hey. It's two, shout out, it shout out to Shout out to Eddie Bravo. Yeah. <laughs> shout out to Pluto, too. Hey, you can't compare the two. Come on. Flat Earth and Pluto <laughs> being a planet are two completely different things. But I was, love you, Pluto. I was taught my whole life that Pluto's a planet. So, damn it, it's a planet still. That's, that's my whole take. It's on an it. asteroid. It's not. It has, it yeah, has, I agree. it has a moon and it orbits the sun. It and may stuff. be, it may be small, but it's, it's not the size of the sword that matters. It's how you use it. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> some, <laughs> some swords can be too big. You know, it's, it's a thing. So, yeah. So there's actually evidence of an undiscovered 10th planet. They found a peculiar clustering of some extreme trans-Neptunian objects that could be caused by a distant 5 to 10 times Earth-mass-sized planet. They haven't proven or found it yet, but it's really interesting because they found evidence, and this is how they found other planets before, is they'll notice, okay, here's our model, here's the planets we know about, and we notice this tiny, tiny little fluctuation in the orbit of something that's not supposed to be there. So that suggests that there's another large body out there in the solar system somewhere. Like the, like it's being influenced by a certain gravity, right? Yeah, exactly. So that's what they think this might be. They, they think there might be a giant planet or relatively large planet, but it's like really, really far away, like really far out there. But they're not sure. They haven't found it. They're looking for it, but it's possible. And is that in is that the planet in Biru? I don't know. Probably not. But it's still that was a fun little thing Isn't I there ran across. Another planet that some people reference. What? I don't know. I I thought we went to a lecture and someone was talking about a planet and it was not Nibiru. It's a different planet. I don't remember them talking. To, I remember the lecture you're talking about. They were talking about Skinny Bob. Remember that one guy was talking about the Skinny Bob video? Yeah, I'm gonna look it up because I'm pretty sure they were talking about another planet. Yeah. If any, anybody does, I know that, are you familiar I know with Skinny that Nibiru, Bob? Nibiru has been called also Planet X. Yeah. Yes, it has. So yeah. I don't know if maybe there's, I don't know, some confusion there or something. I'm confused. Maybe. I don't know. But Skin, I'm very confused. Skinny Bob is this video of this alien that supposedly was captured and it looks really, really good. Like it's almost convincing, but yeah. if you watch it very closely, you'll you'll if you watch it very closely, you'll notice a few details that basically prove that it's fake. You know, hey, I want it to be real. I would love for it to be real. Yeah, but for I, sure, probably and that's, not. That's, that, that's like the same reason why I love watching like ghost videos. Like when people were like exploring different structures, like abandoned structures and stuff. And 
I love ghost videos, man. I want to believe, but here's the thing. No matter how compelling, like the videos I've seen on any, anywhere from like YouTube or wherever, whatever platform you're seeing these, these videos, not a single one, you know, has been compelling enough where I, I don't think it could have been faked. You know, it's right. just, all right, well, I mean, that, that looks compelling, but I can imagine it could have been faked. You know, there, there's, there's a lot of uh, people that are, are very experienced with, like, you know, certain, certain features and, and, and doing this kind of thing, right? Like certain special, special effects, right? But yeah. I don't know. Like, I, all I'm saying is like, like some of these videos and stuff I've watched, like I, I, I could not believe it unless I have gone through it, through it myself. If I have gone through an experience like that myself, okay, I will tell you 100%, like, like oh yeah, that, that, was, that was not faked. But still at the same time, I mean, who am I, right? Like, all right, so if you choose to believe me, then get cool. But like, you know, if, if I was somebody, you know, just you know, observing my testimony, I wouldn't believe you. I wouldn't believe me. You know, like, it's like, all right, I, I also haven't gone through this, so yeah. I don't believe you. You know, it could have been easily faked, you know, so there's, I don't know. there are some experiences that are, that have natural explanations, but when you experience it, it's the strangest, strangest damn thing. I remember when yeah. I was a kid, I was up late one night, I think it was during the summer. I'm not sure. But it, anyways, I was up late watching some cable TV, some stuff that I shouldn't be watching. Probably, you know, all that late, <laughs> late night it, what, filler it, they used to have. Was it, was it Cinemax? No, we didn't have we didn't have Cinemax. We had HBO. Oh. So it oh, was I, well, I remember a couple of times like we had like the uh, the free like, you know, one month trial or something like that. Yeah. You know? But anyways, I was in the living room and I looked out the window and I saw the entire sky was like this really weird bright pink, like really bright. Like almost like it was daytime, but instead it was still night, but it was pink. It was really weird. I was a little kid. I didn't know what to make of this. It freaked me the fuck out. I had no idea what was happening. I kind of made me scared, but it was also sort of in awe. I was like, I didn't, I didn't understand it. And it wasn't until years later that I saw that there was massive solar flares and it was basically, it was similar to the Aurora, but kind of different. You had this massive solar activity and it, it excited the atmosphere and made the sky look weird. But as a kid, hmm. I had no way of knowing that that was even a thing and it was like, it was pretty much a supernatural experience for me, even though now I know that it was, um, I wouldn't say it was on par with ghosts, but it was, I would say it's a very strange experience that I now know has an explanation. But I guess the point is, yeah. is that I believe that people do have really bizarre experiences, whether or not they're explainable, I don't know, but I think that people do have these experiences and I don't like to just dismiss it yeah. out hand, just out of hand, because we don't have any good video evidence of it. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Well, and one of the things, like, to keep this tangent going just for another second here, like, uh, a lot of these people that post these videos of their experiences when it comes to supernatural type stuff, um, I don't think there's that many good actors out there, right? So, some of these people that post these videos uh, of what they have experienced, like, in their house or wherever they may be, um, they seem to be acting genuinely to the situation. Like it, they, they don't, it doesn't seem to me like, like some of them definitely it's obvious. Like, all right, well you, you're, you made that situation happen. You're, you're editing the video in a certain way, whatever it may be. Right. But sometimes I'll see some videos when it comes to like paranormal stuff 
where it's like, like, I, you know, I don't know if this is real, but I definitely feel like this person was acting genuinely in, in a response to the situation. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like it's, it's, it still could be a situation that could have been faked, but as far as this, you know, person's reaction to the situation, like uh, it makes me want to believe that this is real, you know? Yeah. So, well, I mean, and I might be wrong, right. I might be wrong. I don't know, but you know, and there is compelling photographic evidence that I've seen when I've looked into these things a handful of times. Could it be faked? Yeah, it could be, but there's still some pretty compelling photographs out there. Sure. Of, yeah. You know, speaking of they, uh, I hear they're reopening the queen Mary. We have to do a pod trip, dude. We have to go oh, to the no queen shit. Mary. Yeah. Yeah. That would be dude, so I'm down. That would be so awesome. We have to stay there. That would be cool. I'm down for sure. And I wouldn't even mind going. Cause I remember I, I've been there once before when they had like their, uh, Halloween, like, uh, like, like event that ha- at the queen Mary, you know, Uh huh. I wouldn't mind doing that. Like, that'd be cool. But uh, either way, no matter what, like, yeah, let's, let's, I, I'm definitely down to go there and, and experience the queen Mary. Cause I've, I've been there a couple of times, but it was only for like, a. One of the times was a, a tattoo convention that had a couple concerts, and then it was uh, the second time was was uh, that Halloween like uh, event where they had like a concert or two, you know. And, and I think they had some tattoo stuff going on there too, but I didn't really get into it. But like, even though I have you know tattoos on all my extremities and chest, well, and you do have you do have the best tattoo ever ever printed onto a person, but I believe so. <laughs> hey no fuck it let's let's let them know let's let them know you know what we'll do it live fuck all right it. yeah go we'll ahead do go it ahead. live okay why don't you oh, and, uh, please describe your tattoo not not any of your tattoos but your best tattoo my best tattoo it's elmer fudd on my right ass cheek and uh, <laughs> he's holding a rifle pointing towards the middle right there right towards the hole you know and he has a <laughs> caption above him that says i know you're in there rabbit <laughs> Do chicks I, do know, this sort was, of thing? Do you get undressed slowly it's a, and you turn around and you slowly I, tell you, wiggle your butt and you're like, check me out? <laughs> well, I'll tell you one thing. It's a great conversation starter. I bet it is. <laughs> is, is that, that's a conversation starter. Is that, how, is that like what you do to pick oh, them yeah. up? You know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, the, dude. I mean, it might not the bar, be the very... And you're like, hey, check this out. <laughs> well, it might not be the very first thing I say. But like, if we get into tattoos, I'll be like, well, it's one of those things where, all right, so I feel like I have a great sense of humor, right? Yeah. And like, this is one of those gauges that I, I, I will pull out every once in a while, like to, to get a gauge on this person's sense of humor. You know, like if you're, if you're a lady that I'm interested in, you got to have a good sense of humor. Otherwise you're not going to be able to deal with me. I got to know you have a thick skin because I'm going to make some ridiculous fucking like uh, jokes and stuff. You know, that's just can, my, my nature. You can know? confirm. I just like to confirm that um, ETA is definitely holding back on this show. You guys have no idea. <laughs> no idea. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but anyways, like I said, you know, it's a good conversation starter, you know, yeah. of, of, you know, uh, you know. It's not going to be the first thing I'm going to say to you. I'm not going to just walk up to a woman. Hey, I got a tattoo on my ass. You know, that's not <laughs> what I'm going to say. But if the conversation leans into it, then I'm going to let you know, you know, because, you know, it's like, uh, yeah, I, I, that's a good way to get a gauge on somebody's sense, sense of humor. If they find that like, like appalling, then all right, I don't want nothing to do with you. Yeah. You know, I want, I want a woman that, that has a good damn sense of humor. 
you know? So if she finds that funny and, and entertaining, then all right, well, I know, you know, like they're all right. Uh, this is something that could be, you know, a, a good, uh, a good thing, you know? Agent Ether's mic stand is haunted. <laughs> it's moving on its own. I did not is touch it? it. It just <laughs> slipped. It's not my fault. Can, can you tighten the thing? Yeah. That mic stand sucks. I need to get a better one. Yeah. That thing fucking sucks. Fuck it. We'll do a live. Yeah. Well, um, we're trying to do a live, but the mic stand sucks. <laughs> That's the second mic stand I've gotten. They both are pretty horrible. It's it's hard to find a good mic stand. I'll tell you what. Well, before you forget, uh, do we have anybody in our live audience this evening? Oh, uh, heck yeah. We got Tyrannosquatch. We got Titanium over dot, dot, dot. What's up? What? Keep going. Wait, wait what are you? Oh, is it doing it again? Yes. Uh, you got to crank that thing really hard. Like, here, keep going. Keep and going. Still, that's what she said. It's, or that's what he said. <laughs> it still doesn't always work. It's, no, it's a titanium override and uh, mass gib. So thanks, you guys, for showing up. Usually we got a few more people, but I didn't announce this at all, really, because I didn't know if it was going to happen because ETA has been having um, technical yeah. difficulties. But Yeah, that's kind of my fault. But um, Sorry. Can you? Is do you want me to come over and do it? It's over. The show's over. No, it's not. We still got tons of stuff to talk about. Okay, hold on. Did you talk about everything? You yes. Had? Yeah, I didn't have much. There's there. well, we don't have to go into detail, but there's so much more stuff. Like for example, there's uh, there was one of the um, one of the queens that was that they found. They dug up a queen, a Sumerian queen that had an enlarged skull, like sort of sort of that, you know, sort of a, a shape that could be considered like an alien shape. And that's something that's been in a couple of other cultures too. That's a whole other subtopic because we have cultures where... Oh, dude, there's a lot to talk about there. Yeah, where like the women will try to, they'll put those rings on their neck to stretch out their necks. And some people think they're trying to imitate another species, perhaps an alien species. There's This is a whole rabbit hole that, you know, we're getting a little long on the episode here, so we don't have time to really go down that particular rabbit hole. We were talking about cars and stuff instead. (laughs) We need to do an episode on on stuff like that because there's been a lot of skeletons that have elongated skulls. And there's a difference between, there's a difference between like, like a, what is it called? Uh, There's certain cultures like in South America and, and, um, around the world where we're like, they, they board, like they put boards like on their babies to like, like shape the skulls in a certain way. But there's also been like mummies and, and certain skeletons that have been found that like, it seems like their skulls developed naturally as opposed to being, you know, manipulated, you know? Yeah. I'll, and, um, I'll put it on the list as elongated skulls as just a general, yes. general catch all category. For, there's a lot oh, of things that could be under this category, so I'll put that on the that's list. That's an interesting sure. one. Ozzy Mima's yeah. here. What's up, Ozzy Mima? Hey. Glad you could make it. Mucho gusto. Me llamo Pelon. I, I, think, <laughs> I think that that's the wrong language. They speak, they speak Australian. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. Down, down there in, down there in <laughs> Aussie land. <laughs> but hey, the, mucho gusto. Me, me llamo Gordo. There's the th- interesting thing about this particular topic is that there's a lot of similarities from Sumerian legends that <laughs> that uh, lead to other things. There's a lot of similarities between, let's say, you know, I think we mentioned it, the flood story where, um, oh yeah, where Enlil caused a flood because he was sick of people and he wanted to kill them, and Enki yeah. went against this and gave King Zeosudra a warning to build a ship and escape the flood. It sounds an awful lot like Noah's Ark. 
there's, yeah. you know, there's uh well, I wanted to talk actually before we get out of here I wanted to talk a little bit more about in beer Nibiru because the actual definition of this is sort of up in the air the definition could mean like crossing or point of transition such as like a boat crossing a river and some people think that this means not necessarily a planet in the sky but maybe some crossing to a different dimension here's Here's a description of Nibiru that's been translated from a tablet. This is one possible translation. Nibiru, which is said to have occupied the passageways of heaven and earth, because everyone above and below asks Nibiru if they cannot find the passage. Nibiru is Marduk's star, which the gods in heaven cause to be visible. Nibiru stands, Nibiru stands as a post at the turning point. The others say of Nibiru the post... The one who crosses the middle of the sea, Tiamat, without calm, may his name be Nibiru, for he takes up the center of it. The path of the stars of the sky should be kept unchanged. Now, that's the reason I wanted to use that example is because we were talking earlier about the difficulty of translating this stuff, and that translation makes very little sense. It's like, what does sounds that like, Sounds like poetry. It, it doesn't really mean a whole lot of anything, so... I'm guessing that that translation is not 100% accurate. You know, what is in Nibiru? Who knows? It could be anything at this point based on that particular, you know, little translation, little paragraph there. I read it's, it. I read it's a star. Yeah, that's one possibility. Yeah, it's, Or they, maybe Venus. It's, it appears to have been used to describe different celestial points in the sky over time, like Jupiter maybe or, you know, a couple of other stars or points that in the sky. Um, it may have been used to describe anything that was passing along the sky, like a star that they could see going from one part of the sky to another, like let's say Jupiter would do over time. So there's a, there's a lot of different possible interpretations to, you know, to describe that. And then uh, there's, there's a lot that we didn't even talk about yet. But the last thing I guess I really want to talk about is the Marduk, who is... He was a, a, one of the uh, one of the gods, and he used a divine weapon to defeat Tiamat, th- then creating the earth and the sky. The descriptions of the weapon are that it was some kind of divine wind weapon, and we can only assume that this is some sort of hot or warm breeze, perhaps emanating from Marduk's pants. Hot, hot, hot. And he also had a talking mace which definitely wasn't his penis. I just wanted to throw that out there before we end the episode. <laughs> hey, hey, baby, I got a talking mace in my pants. All right. I just, no, I just, I read that description. I was yeah. like, that, a, div- a divine <laughs> wind, huh? He's got a divine wind. Okay. Oh, hey, if you had a talking mace, so you don't have, you don't have to really necessarily have any kind of good game there. Yeah. You just like let the, let the mace talk for itself. Exactly. You know? Yeah. It'll take care of everything for you. <laughs> Anyways, I, I just I don't know. I kind of thought that was hilarious. But oh, also one last thing about Marduk is he was sometimes called Bell, which might be related to the Canaanite ball, which again is a whole other episode. <laughs> so I guess, dude, we could do multiple episodes on the whole like like family tree of Sumerian gods and their yeah. interactions. You know, like it, it's 
it would take days to explain the entire possibility of what, what had happened between all of them. You know, it's, yeah. it's kind of crazy. It's really, it's really kind of crazy. Yeah. Maybe we could do another episode in the future on this stuff to elaborate more on the details, but we, we've barely just scratched the surface. I know I say that a lot on these episodes, but there's so much to this topic. We couldn't possibly do all of it in an hour. It just goes more and more. And personally, I'm not super seeing a connection between the Anunnaki and actual aliens. I just, I don't see it. It seems to be maybe a bit of a stretch, but the mythology itself is really, really interesting. There's quite a lot there and it's possible if I dig a little deeper, I will find stuff that I find more interesting and possible descriptions of aliens. I don't know. But as far as what I found for today, I I just wasn't really seeing the connection, you know? Yeah. So what, before we get out, what are your, you have any final thoughts on this agent ether? I'm having trouble with my final thoughts because my microphone is broken. All right. That's ether's final thoughts. And then uh, how about you agent ETA? Any final thoughts before (laughs) we get out of here? Well, uh, yeah. All right. So I'm pretty much on the same page with you there. Like, I think there ha- there has been some potential misinterpretations of you know the the, the cuneiform tablets and stuff, and especially popularized uh, by uh, Zachariah Sitchin. You know, I don't think he made uh, the best interpretations there, and he also wrote a couple books that became very popular and and influ- influenced a lot of people. You know, so a lot of people's understanding of of you know this topic. Uh, was influenced by him, you know, and, and he wasn't necessarily an expert, you know, like, uh, so I think there, there was a lot of things that were lost in, in trans translation there, you know, when it comes to that. But I will say that I think that, uh, the Sumerian gods and especially like the, the story of the Epic of Gilgamesh, like it has a lot of similarities between, you know, like stories, religious stories that came after and before too. Um, it, it it just seems like one of those one of those things where these were just like you know the gods that, that the Sumerians whether they created these gods or you know were just I think what what it was is they were dealing with natural effects like natural stuff that was going on around them and they were trying to describe why certain things would happen natural effects like you know like like, like the power of the sea you know and the the power of the wind and the, the, the sky, you know, they were trying to explain stuff that they were, you know, observing, you know, and, you know, it's, it's a similar story that has happened throughout human history. You know, I don't think it's necessarily special, you know, uh, it, it is it very interesting, but it's the same story that has been told time and time again throughout human civilization, you know, it's no different, you know, so, uh, you know, uh, it's very interesting, but, I don't think there were aliens that came down from fucking Nibiru, you know, that created <laughs> the human race, you know? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> they were coming here to take our gold, to patch up their own atmosphere, because we know for a fact that there's, there's asteroids out there that have, you know, one asteroid could have more gold than our entire planet. So why would you come down here and bother the slaves and all that other stuff when you could just grab an asteroid and go, right? That, Especially with all that lot, advanced technology, easier. yeah. Yeah. Right, if they had the ability to come from one planet to another, you know, uh, yeah, they, they would have the ability to mine an asteroid or something like that that had precious metals on it, right? 
Not a big deal if you well, have that kind of capability. Not I, a big deal. I yeah. would go one step farther, and I think at some point you would develop the technology. If you can go from one planet to one system to another, that's pretty advanced tech. You might have the tech to just synthesize whatever molecules you need. You know, you wouldn't even have to mine right. stuff anymore. But, but there is also, you know, the the uh, notion where you know throughout, like you know, the history of of humans and you know related other hominids and stuff like we have that missing link right like so this could potentially explain that you know potentially yeah like, I'm, I'm just I'm, I'm stepping out on a limb here you know i'm just saying is all you know i'm not saying i believe it but you know what it what if that is the missing link yeah you know well i do yeah i do like the seed theory i think they call it the seed theory i do think it's very interesting Personally, I haven't seen any evidence to support it, but I think it's a really interesting idea. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. At least. That's all I'm saying. All right. Well, I mean, this is this is such a good topic. Maybe we'll do a part two at some point. I don't know, but there's just so much we could talk about around this whole thing. But I think we're going to leave it there for now because it's getting on. Let's see. Yeah, we're a little over an hour here. I try to keep this to about an hour for the show. So that's about all we got for you this time. Thank you guys so much for listening. And thanks to, I forgot to put, did I put it in the notes who chose this? This was, this was suggested or this was requested by unforgiven agent on discord. And it was selected by our Patreon subscribers who get to vote on our topic every week. So thank you guys so much for supporting us on Patreon. We got three tiers. We have a, uh, our introductory tier, which gets you early access and after hours, our medium tier, which gets you all the bonus content, and then the top tier, which allows you to vote on our upcoming topics. So thank you guys so much for your support. Thank you, everybody oh, else, yeah. for listening. And that's all we got for you tonight. And I just wanted to mention we had an awesome bonus episode. I don't normally do bonus episodes, but we were off on vacation, and we found these really cool comics. So if you want to hear more about them, go ahead and tune in. And you can do that by becoming a Patreon subscriber. In the meantime, keep it strange. Yeah, keep it strange. And she, by vacation, she means really quite the adventure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you, if you want yeah. the deets, listen in. Shenanigans and tomfoolery. I'll it's just leave sued, it at that. For yeah. sure, for sure. Stepping through decks and stuff. Yeah, yeah. All right. Thanks, everybody. <laughs>